0: You have to have some sort of foundation to be able to maintain your mental health and maintain that stability, to be able to have the ambition, to be able to push through and to be able to see what is next and what is the future. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast.
1: I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jordan Winshauer, CEO and founder of Base Culture, Jordan talks about her journey from making paleo-friendly baked goods in her apartment to a 44,000-square-foot facility producing items for national distribution. Her commitment to success has propelled her to create a new market while filling a need for food made from pure ingredients. Her energy is infectious, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Jordan, welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. It's so nice to have you on with
0: us. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here.
1: So we are here to talk about your very interesting journey, personally, and also as an entrepreneur. And the story of Base Culture, your company, begins from a very personal experience. So can you start there and tell us about that? What was it about your life and things you were looking for that led you to start Base Culture?
0: Journey is the best way to describe that and everything that I have done for the last 10 years, it has been a true journey that was extraordinarily unexpected. I started this business based off of a passion of my own really after I joined a CrossFit gym and they were doing a paleo challenge. And I participated to get involved with the community and jump in and see what it was all about. I never really followed any kind of diets or lifestyles, but I wanted to eat healthier. I just graduated from college, so it was time to kind of clean up the lifestyle a little bit, figure out what this new chapter of my life was going to hold. And so this paleo challenge that I participated with my CrossFit gym came at that exact time. And so I didn't know a thing about paleo or anything about this. The very basic description of it is you eat meat, vegetables, seeds, and nuts, and fruit. That's all. You just take all of the complications, all of the artificial ingredients, anything that's not natural or could be found out in the farm or forest, you can't eat. So that's at the very core, the base. What I was attracted to is the simplicity of the ingredients that provide nutrient density to my lifestyle. For me, it was like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense because sometimes when I go to the store, well, this was 10 years ago, so pretty much all the time when I went to the store, everything on the shelf was like packed with all these words I didn't even know how to say. I was like, well, I don't know if that's good for me. I honestly, I went to school to be a wedding planner. I'm not a business major. I didn't study nutrition or dietitian. I would not an RD or anything like that. But I just knew as part of me that I didn't want to eat these artificial ingredients and these ingredients that didn't add to my life in a positive way. I found the paleo lifestyle through this challenge, but then realized that I had all of these underlying beliefs about food that I really was attracted to. And this challenge with the gym just elevated that. And so I wanted to continue to pursue this journey, but I also was looking for products in the marketplace that I craved on a daily basis that I wanted, like bread and baked goods and things that I actually wanted to incorporate into my life, but it didn't exist with these stringent guidelines. And so that's really where I was like, well, this isn't about a weight loss journey for me. It's not about a diet for me. It's really about a lifestyle. And so, how do do I make this paleo lifestyle work and these clean ingredients work for me on a daily basis? And my answer was to create products. And that was really the basis of how the paleo lifestyle catapulted this journey forward into highlighting clean ingredient nutrient density product of baked goods that we're bringing to the marketplace now.
1: So what was the first product that you tried to make? How did that go? And how many times did you experiment with it?
0: I wanted something quick in the morning and something at night. And so everything else in between, I could kind of figure out and meal prep for, but I wanted banana bread in the morning. So that was something that I first tried. And the brownie was the second. I'm not a big chocolate bar fan. So I loved the indulgence of a brownie at night though. And so that was really the product I dove in head first and trying to create. And honestly, it took me like six months because it's extremely different baking with seeds and nuts as opposed to flour and yeast and sugar and all of these traditional baking elements, I was taking all of that out and replacing it with nutrient-dense ingredients that aren't traditionally used for baking. And so it was very much trial and error and seeing what worked and how it kind of came together or didn't or was a rock or soup. <laughs> I was just doing it for my selfish wants and desires I never really had a business in mind at this stage. It was just to check the box. I wanted it to taste good. And I wanted it to have the texture of a bread and a brownie. And I wanted to have the same eating experience that I would have had with another traditional baked good. From how this whole business was developed, it was off this foundational core of quality. It wasn't off of a P&L or how to make money and how to cut corners. It was a true quality product made with the best ingredients I could find.
1: So flour and sugar are so important typically in baked goods, but you're not using them in the base culture products. What else are you using instead of those things to make it taste so good?
0: It's a combination of nuts and seeds as the flour base. So almonds, pecans, cashews, coconut flour, those types of flours, some of those flours, coconut flour absorbs a lot more than an almond flour does. So it's just different combinations and levels of those. And then the sweeteners we can use are either honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar. So a natural form of sugar that adds to the product that sweetness, but not the artificially sweet flavor that sometimes you get when you have an additive or replacement for a traditional sugar.
1: So you've spent months now creating products that will at least work for you. So tell us how you hit on something and how did it start into a business? What gave you the idea that you could sell this to other people?
0: Honestly, just one day, it all came together. It wasn't an aha moment. It was just the persistence of continuing to try until I actually was like, oh, wow, I did it. I've got a brownie. This is really good for myself. And ironically, around that same time, the gym I had joined was doing another paleo challenge, which honestly, this whole period of trial and error was about six months. So it was a long period of time and the gym did a challenge every six months. So just worked out to be that time of the year that they do this. And so I brought the products that I created to my friends at the gym and said, hey, we're doing this challenge. Look what I've created. Would anyone like to try some? I wanted their feedback, not really even thinking again, like maybe they would be interested in this. But it turned out they were, (laughs) they were like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. This actually tastes fantastic. And I don't have to make it myself. And you can make it, I'll just pay you to make it for me. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds really cool. I started a business on Facebook and would post online when I was going to make something, and the people would place their orders, and I would make everything at night and deliver it on the weekend. Six months of time that I continued to build just an organic business where people were just very grassroots, so you're talking about it out there, word of mouth spreading and raising an awareness about what I was doing just in this Tampa Bay community. So it started off very local. I would attend farmers markets on the Saturdays and try to raise awareness about the products. It was one step at a time. And after I continued to see that there was demand for this and there was interest and it was exciting and people were like, holy cow, I can actually have bread again. I can actually have brownies again, grain-free, they're gluten-free, they're paleo, they're non-GMO. And what I didn't realize was being paleo allows you to check the boxes of all these other attributes. It took me six months to figure it out because what I could use was very limited, but the results was a product that checked the box for so many different types of people looking for so many different ranges of quality and attributes to the product. And at the end of the day, it tasted great. The fact that it was founded on just those core principles of quality and taste and texture and ingredients really catapulted this opportunity forward faster than I could have ever imagined. And so that six month process of me just getting the word out there in this small community ignited something within me and saying like, wow, okay, well, maybe this is a big deal.
1: So you took it outside, you had to find now production facilities, you had to package it. Did you have the name base culture then? And if not, how did you get to that name? What does it mean?
0: When I started the company, I called it Paleo Box. I was making paleo food and putting it in a box. And about five minutes after I did that, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't put paleo in the name of the company because we do check all of these other boxes. We can have other products. We can be this platform brand and have the ability to expand into other horizons. Paleo box lasted probably about eight ish months or so before I came to the name base culture. Where that was derived from was what was important to me about the paleo lifestyle was that it brought all of the ingredients that I was using back to its base, back to the core. So there weren't any complications, there weren't any additives, there weren't any preservatives or all of these artificial ingredients, they were just basic ingredients. And a culture is really what we're trying to drive forward and base culture's vision is to create this nutrition culture that's beyond the dietary culture, honoring food freedom, taking away those self-imposed limitations and just having baked goods and creating a culture that celebrates that.
1: So what do you think makes the company stand out now? You've been doing it for a decade. You have the products and the cultural piece, the discussion, the engagement that you're talking about now. What makes it different from other companies that might be in the space?
0: Well, we are trying to lead this global revolution around nutrition culture to honor that and do it and so that we're creating the best for you baked goods that are held to our mammoth standards and how we describe like our mammoth standards are essentially a bar that you cannot rise above. It's like the highest bar possible. And we did that by creating our own manufacturing plant. We built a 44,000 square foot plant to bring these products to life. We saw the opportunity, and we saw that this was, quote unquote, a white space opportunity, that it wasn't another Me Too product. We weren't just adding a product to a category that already existed, but doing it a little bit differently. It was totally new. And we had a platform of baked goods in this bakery concept. And so by doing that, we had to create a facility of our own with this process that's very specific to our products with all of the certifications that we have. Being so true to that and holding ourselves to those measures to create the best quality product that still tastes and has the same texture that I created in my apartment kitchen. So that when someone buys our product, it's not like, oh, well, it's good for gluten-free. I want it to be great for bread. So,
1: Jordan, I would love to understand your decision-making process at the moment where you had to commit to building this new facility, a large facility, something that didn't exist before. Were there voices in your head, both that were saying, we got to do this, but also, we can't do this, it's so risky? Tell us how you worked through those voices, and how did you derive support, whether it was from yourself or others?
0: Yeah. And that's shifted for me over the last 10 years. And when those initial decisions to create this facility and move the brand forward, that was a whole different set of voices that I'm experiencing today or challenges or what's going on for me mentally. But back then when we were making those big decisions to get this facility off the ground, to invest, to go outside and talk to investors, not only have my internal family invest money into it, but get external private equity groups involved and take the business to the next level, I'm going to be very honest and say, I never once looked back ever in the very beginning. Even now, I haven't looked back. It's just different now because the company has grown and we're in a different stage. But in the beginning, when things were taking off and things were new and exciting, I saw and was validated by consumer acceptance at the core. And so that to me was validating enough to believe that this dream was a reality and that I needed to do these things to make it come to life because we did look for a co-packer to make our products, but we looked for nine months with a specialist in that area and came up empty-handed because the process is so unique. And then we have so many certifications that we had to build a facility. And many people, I think, would pause and say, well, if it hasn't been done before, maybe there's a reason that it hasn't been done. To me, that was exciting. That was the reason to do it because we were creating something new and being able to impact other people's lives in a way that hadn't been done before. That eliminated the doubtful voices of maybe this isn't going to work out. I continue to gain acceptances from retail stores. I continue to get interest. I mean, for example... Walmart found us on Instagram after searching hashtag paleo and came to our website. Things like that were so validating that this concept, this idea, this really next generation bakery with grain-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, paleo, now it's evolved to be keto as well, there was a reason for its existence. And so I'm not going to say I had no doubts at all because, of course, I'm human, right? But those were the reasons to push those scary voices away also there was a huge family component around this my dad had been an entrepreneur his entire life my mom was an entrepreneur in her earlier life and then had eight children coming from that upbringing and my mom she took a step aside of her business and raised us and built our family and now she herself is stepping back into another business as an acupuncturist and she opened up her own clinic and so i think entrepreneurship is just in my blood And it's part of who I am as I grew up. There's probably some underlying tones of that throughout my entire life because I've been surrounded by it. On the days where I was worried or had doubts, I could always pick up the phone and call my parents because they've been through this and they know that and they know that feeling, Mm -hmm. that feeling of uncertainty they could relate to in a way that was able to calm me down and to root me back into my purpose, enable me to continue forward.
1: That is amazing. You have... No pun intended. All the right ingredients here for a successful business. I said that. But the idea was amazing. You had research built in from the start where you were testing the product, so to speak, with a community and you had a support structure and with seven other siblings, hopefully test tasters along the way as you were building this. So let's talk about the products themselves because they're fascinating. How do you develop your products? How do you develop line extensions? What's that brainstorming process you go through to find the next thing that you want to launch?
0: And that has evolved over time as well. In the beginning, it was really what does Jordan want and what is she looking for and seeking but can't find out in the marketplace? And we definitely had a lot of taste testers and opinions from my family and friends. And now as we've evolved and we've grown up as a brand, we've really rooted ourselves in our foundation of who we are at a core, what do we stand for, and then have created these filters that consist of data, research, analytics that bring us all together, but at the end of the day, look to make clean eating delicious and accessible and easy for people that are looking for baked goods and understanding where the opportunity is in the category there to expand and bring these new products to life.
1: So tell us about your top-selling product. What is the most popular thing you make?
0: So our top-selling product is our bread, all of our sliced breads. The keto bread specifically is the top-selling product. And I honestly think it's the best-selling product just because keto is in the name. And I don't think a lot of people realize that All of the breads except the sandwich bread are also keto certified. And so I think there's some awareness that we're building right now around the product, but the keto bread is definitely the best seller. And I actually have another hunch that people aren't eating it the way to have the best eating experience. And it's really interesting because gluten-free eaters have been trained to take frozen gluten-free bread from the freezer and put it directly in the toaster. But our bread is grain-free, so there's a difference. And it actually does better if you thaw it in the refrigerator, which it can last for 14 days in the refrigerator, and then toast it. The moisture content is more dispersed, better eating experience. And so I started the company 10 years ago. We launched a retail five years ago. But we're still learning some of these core fundamentals about our products that even on our best sellers, some of the things we thought were obvious We weren't communicating to the consumer. And these are all big opportunities for us to articulate to the consumer and share how to eat the bread in a great way.
1: Yeah. I mean, what you're describing is you're creating a product and a space that doesn't exist. So that consumer education needs to be there. You're really teaching people how to eat this way and cook or prepare, right, in a different way, which is really important. Here's one for you. What was the hardest product to make, Paleo, and how did you overcome those challenges to make sure it tasted good?
0: You know, each product probably has its own areas of difficulties. Thankfully, we have this creative genius as our director of R&D, and she has really evolved all of our products, thankfully, because I'm not trained as a baker or a chef or a cook or anything like that. Lindsay, she's incredibly thoughtful and intentional about the ingredients she uses to create the right taste and texture. But I'll say that she has probably spent the majority of her time on the sliced bread line because bread is really a staple for many homes across the country. And it's a normal product to have in the fridge. It's an everyday product where a brownie or a banana bread or a pumpkin bread, that might be a treat or a one-off occasion here or there. But having bread and having a great bread, that's not just a vehicle, but something that you enjoy to eat. That's a tricky thing to do with the ingredients that we have to create that texture versus having this like dense kind of block of a product. (laughs) Now, what if people are allergic to nuts? Are there products in the line they can still eat? Please don't eat our products if you are allergic to nuts. We do not have any peanuts though in our products because peanuts do not abide by the paleo restrictions. And so We are a peanut-free facility, but if any nut allergies exist, I would not suggest they try our products.
1: How did paleo change your life? I'd love to get back to that. What did it do for you personally in terms of your own nutrition and health?
0: It was about eating clean, about having the opportunity to feel great and have consistent energy levels. For me, it wasn't about weight loss. There was no dietary restriction that I had to implement into my life because of an illness or something like that. I'm not gluten-free. I'm not celiac. I don't have any of these autoimmune issues that a lot of our consumers struggle with. But at baseline for me, I just felt a whole lot better. And I felt that putting good quality ingredients into my body to fuel myself, to have the best energy to support my day was what drove me and what attracted me to this lifestyle.
1: So we're spending a lot of time in the new year talking about ambition and how women relate to ambition and how ambition sometimes is not always perceived as a great quality for women. So I'd love to ask you, do you describe yourself as ambitious? And if so, what has been your biggest ambition
0: and your biggest drive so far? I would say I'm ambitious. I would say that sometimes I'm blissfully ambitious and keep away those dark voices that come up. We are in a stage of the business where those scary voices come in and saying, like, what if this isn't going to work? Or what if I let everyone down? And what if I lose everyone's money who's invested in this? And what if I fail? Those are the voices that I'm kind of battling with today as we continue to drive and be ambitious and forge this new industry of breads as a bakery into the marketplace. And I don't think that's taking a step back The mental health of entrepreneurs is talked about nearly enough. I think there's an insane amount of pressure placed on entrepreneurs to build this empire and do the impossible. At baseline, entrepreneurs are expected to create these magical unicorns that just, oh, wow, this overnight success and look how wonderful and beautiful. But the day-to-day challenges and struggles that entrepreneurs go through, you have to have some sort of foundation, To be able to maintain your mental health and maintain that stability, to be able to have the ambition, to be able to push through and to be able to see what is next and what is the future. I do nightly meditations. I do morning breathwork sessions, burn Palo Santo around the office to like clear the energy. I wear the crystals. I do all the things, right? Because why not? It's something that's grounding me to a place of where I can come back to who I am at the core. And know what my purpose and mission and vision is so I can maintain to be ambitious, to drive this new industry and this next generation bakery and bring it to life and bring it to life in a big way that's impactful for the whole nation.
1: And those times where you feel burnt out, you have been working very hard through the pandemic, what do you do to really recover your energy and keep going?
0: That's definitely a good question. I mean, I also have two kids. I have two little baby girls, a three-year-old and a two-year-old, and they are the light of my life. And just unplugging with them at baseline on a daily basis at night, doing our nightly routines, having them in my life has helped me recharge my batteries on a daily basis. But there are definitely times where Even the thought of taking the next breath will make it seem like the world will crash down around me. It gets to a point where you're like, I'm not going to answer anyone in the right mindset. I need to shut it down. I need to not pick up the phone today. I need to get the space needed. And on those days, the best thing I can do... Is I live in Tampa, so go to the beach, get out of the house, remove myself from the space, turn off my phone, just get space. Space is best. I mean, travel is ideal. I actually just went to Sedona with my husband and we did two days of hiking and it was absolutely amazing in those days where you're just burnt out and coming back to your purpose and really understanding why you got burnt out. Because when you're in it and you're grinding and you're just fighting the fight every day and the challenges come up every day and every day, you need to create the ability to walk away from it. Because a lot of the times when you walk away, those problems don't seem as big and scary as they were when you just keep fighting through. And so that's something that I've learned along the way, because in the earlier years of base culture, and for entrepreneurs out there, it's kind of like a bragging right to how many hours you can work a day, how much sleep you don't need. A medal of honor for entrepreneurs. And I've gotten to a point where in my life and my journey, yeah, you have to work really hard. You do, no doubt about it. But doing it in an unhealthy way versus doing it in a healthy way with the right team around you that can support and elevate that is the key to success, not burning the candle at both ends.
1: Tell us a time where you did say yes to something and then had to figure out how to get it done.
0: If we backtrack to, When we were building our facility, which was within the years of 2015 to 2017, it took two years, I continued to go out and sell the product and the brand and raise awareness because I knew one day we'd have 44,000 square feet full of this wonderful, expensive equipment and I needed orders and I needed customers and I needed to be able to make food. So I continued to go pitch the, hey, we're base culture. This is what we do. These are our products. Try them but don't order it. Don't go find it from someone else and just stay interested. And I'll let you know when you can order it. And I did that for two years. Walmart found us on Instagram and came to us to our website, sent us an email saying, I'd love to meet with you and met with the buyer. December of 2016, we moved into our facility. I knew we were close and we were moving in very shortly after I met with them in December. In the meeting, the buyer was like, I'm going to say yes to this, and I'm going to bring you guys in for a launch in October. We weren't even in our facility yet. We weren't even part of like building the inventory for this launch. We had to do a rebrand. We had to get all of the certification. We had to do everything and said, absolutely, we'll hit your deadline. And then I walked out of the meeting and I called my dad. And I said, I just agreed to this and we've got to do it and it's going to happen. Now we have to rise and meet the occasion. And so we said yes, and we figured it out. And literally, we moved in in February. We did a rebranding. We got all of our certifications. We hired a broker team. We ramped our production, and we hit our deadlines. And it's one of those things that a lot of decisions I make literally every day are met with so many uncertainties and unknowns that you literally, as an entrepreneur, you can't have all the answers. Because you're building something new. There's no playbook. There's no advice that someone can give you because what you're building is unique. So people have done things similarly. Of course, there's other bakeries around the country and the world, other businesswomen. There's other people who have been in business in this CPG space. But what base culture is, is unique and really understanding that and understanding that in a way that means something to the decisions we're making it's really impactful and empowering to be able to say yes, not knowing all the answers, but to be able to say yes, as this is the correct direction, and we will figure it out and how to make it happen. Knowing that we have a team that is also of the same mindset with the same values, with the same core principles that lean in and take that leap with me and say, yeah, we will figure it out. We will work that extra blah, blah, blah. We will do this. And If she can't do it, I will because of course we're going to get it done. Of course we are. So it's just that mentality as a team collectively that we were founded on that mentality of say yes and figure it out later. But we continue to foster that every day.
1: So, what would you tell listeners in terms of taking on those hard things, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're in the corporate world? What do you leave them with? What's your advice?
0: My advice would be whenever you're making a decision, to be able to say yes with your whole body, a full body yes. And I've recently learned this and it resonates with me so much because I look back to some of the mistakes I've made because I've made plenty. And that's another thing, like don't be afraid to fail because you learn from your mistakes. So it's not necessarily failure is a bad thing. Failure is actually a good thing because you took a chance and you learned, just be willing to accept that and move forward in a different demeanor to improve and grow. When I look back at some of the things where we took a misstep here or there, I really know in my gut that there was something telling me at that point that something's not right. And I ignored it for one reason or another. So what I would leave the listeners with is just when you're making a decision, especially with something that could impact the company, have the full body yes. And if you have any inkling of doubt, lean into that and explore it. And either that doubt will subside or it will get bigger and then listen to it, even if it's not the easy choice.
1: Thank you for that. I think it's a great reminder, no matter what the situation is. I love this full body yes. So I got very hungry while having this conversation. So do tell us as we leave, where can we find your products?
0: So you can find us in the freezer set, like the frozen bread area next to a canyon, next to Ezekiel, next to Udi's, all the major retail stores, anything from Whole Foods, Publix, Kroger, Albertson, Safeway all of your natural stores out there, all of those independent stores has it as well.
1: Jordan, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I think the company you've built is absolutely fantastic with great products. And so I really appreciate your coming on and telling us about your story and creating something that's so good for us. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Thank you for listening to my conversation with Jordan. I love her mission to not only build a business, but a community that supports a healthy lifestyle. Her advice to embrace challenges with a whole body yes is helpful for so many professional and personal situations. My next stop is the grocery store to pick up some base culture products. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com WOTM. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.